As, uh, as she mentioned, today marks the last day in our uh, Advent sermon series, and this is a, a sermon series in which uh, we've taken the last several weeks to talk about why Jesus came to earth. Why did God intervene in human history by sending his son to this earth? And so we talked about how Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to call sinners and to take away sins. He came to serve, to teach us how to serve. And then last week on Christmas Eve, we celebrated the fact that he came to give us eternal life. And so as part of the broader picture of eternal life, we see in today's passage that Jesus also came to give us abundant life, life we can enjoy this side of eternity. So when, when I say the words abundant life, what's the first picture that pops into your head? Maybe it's similar to how our society might define it. Our, our culture would probably say that abundant life or abundance is increasing in wealth or power or influence or social standing or material possessions, especially material possessions, right? Anything that supports what I need as an autonomous individual, every fleeting desire, if it's met, it's, it's seen as a good and worthy pursuit. But we know this brand of worldly abundance doesn't really, really work, right? I mean, it, sure, it, it, it'll result in happiness short term, give us the occasional dopamine hit. But long term, we know from the news, we know from interviews, especially celebrity interviews, we know from personal experience that long-term, it doesn't work. It can lead to isolation, regret, discontentment, sometimes crippling anxiety and depression. This is not the type of abundance we want to pursue. So what's the alternative? Um, so we'll put a, uh, a verse on the screen here. The Bible actually has quite a bit to say about um, the biblical view of, of abundance, and it really has nothing to do with wealth, power, influence, social status, or material possessions. So the Apostle Paul says it well and, and very clearly in 1 Corinthians 1. It says, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. The point here is that men may not boast. So this gives us a pretty clear indication that abundance has very little to do with the physical realm. God isn't overly concerned with our physical circumstances. I mean, sure, he may use wealth, possessions, for those who follow him to, to build his kingdom for his namesake, for his glory, but those are never the main point, are they? Abundance here is more spiritual in nature. So as we think about the um, biblical view uh, of abundant life, I think as, as we look at today's text, when we come back to John 10, it, it brings the picture of abundant life into a little bit better focus. Um, so the first thing we see when we go to John 10 is that in order to enjoy abundant life, we need a good shepherd. In order to enjoy abundant life, we need a good shepherd. So um, we'll put a, a picture on the screen here. Um, Jesus starts this, this chapter. He's giving us a little bit of a word picture here. He's using a metaphor. And in this metaphor, we have a sheepfold. We have sheep, the shepherd. We have thieves and robbers. Okay, so we're going to break that down a little bit. So the sheepfold was a courtyard. It was usually attached to a house or near a house, um, and that's where families, probably multiple families, would keep their sheep. And so it was surrounded by a stone wall, um, and the, the sheepfold may have a door, it may not. If it did have a door, it would have a doorkeeper. Uh, if it didn't have a door, the shepherd would oftentimes sit in the, the doorway to keep the sheep in and, and to keep predators out. And so um, within the sheepfold, of course, we have the sheep. And what do we know about sheep? 
Um, the last group seemed to be very educated on sheep, but I'll, I'll tell you anyways. Um, I, di I did a little bit of research this week. So what do we know about sheep? Well, we know that sheep are extremely vulnerable. Okay, so they, they don't have horns or anything like that where they can be a, an aggressor toward uh, a predator. They don't have camouflage, really, to hide. They're not very good at hiding anyway. They don't have super speed to run away from something that might harm them. They're extremely vulnerable. Maybe even more well-known than that is sheep are notorious for following the leader. It doesn't matter who the leader is. It doesn't matter if they're a good leader, a bad leader. It doesn't matter what the activity is. Sheep are going to follow. It's just what they do. We also know that sheep are prone to wander away from the flock. And this is a problem because sheep lack common sense. If you didn't know that already, I can tell you, based on my research, they really, they really lack common sense. I'll just give you a couple examples that I found from this week. Um, there was one where a, a, a shepherd had lost his sheep, and after several days, he, he, you know, he was pursuing it. He found it lying dead. Um, and what he found from the physical indicators was that it, it appeared the sheep had simply wandered around in circles for days on end without stopping for food until it just dropped dead. Lacks common sense. It's okay to laugh. I know it's sad, but we can laugh. Um, there was another story of a sheep where um, it kept, kept getting its head stuck in the same bucket. And the, the shepherd wasn't dumb. Like, the shepherd was moving the bucket from place to place, but the sheep somehow would find it and it'd keep getting its head stuck in this bucket. Sheep lack common sense. And so the thing that, uh, think about this metaphor that you may not like is that <laughs> that's us. We're the sheep. Sorry to break it to you. Um, and it's, it's not something that's, that's flattering for us that, that we are the sheep, but hopefully it makes a little more sense here in a moment. Um, of, of course, if we're the sheep, that makes Jesus the shepherd. Um, no surprise there. So some responsibilities of the shepherd, um, they're supposed to lead their sheep to good pastures with good food and help them avoid poisonous plants or anything else that could hurt them. Um, the shepherd is to protect the flock, um, that often means risking his own well-being or even his own life to, to protect them. And the shepherd is to keep the herd together. Um, if a sheep wanders off, the, the shepherd is to pursue that sheep. And so when we think about, when we, when we see the tendencies of sheep and we compare that to the responsibilities of a shepherd and we apply it to our own lives, we see that we really do need a good shepherd to enjoy abundant life. I mean, just think about this for a second. Can, can you think of a time when spiritually you have uh, been wandering around in circles, metaphorically of course, without stopping for the one who can give you life, who can give you what you need, um, and it, just a, a period of spiritual wilderness. I, I can think of a time like that, and I even, uh, I even have a name for it. It's called college. <laughs> um, this, this was a time where I um, I was pursuing the wrong things, party culture, watching things on TV I shouldn't watch, listening to music I shouldn't listen to. It was spiritual um, wilderness. And, you know, looking back now, I can tell that uh, this, this was lacking common sense. You know, it seems so obvious now. It seems so stupid that I did that before. But in the midst of it, I was living for the here and now, um, and it felt okay. I, I was just a sheep wandering around in circles. And I, I wasn't stopping um, to, to look for my Savior, who, by the way, I knew existed because I grew up in the church. Didn't matter to me at that time. I was lacking common sense. So do you have those moments where you're just wandering around in circles? We're going to get to the bucket, too. Are we getting our heads stuck in buckets? Um, many of us can probably think of a, a sin or maybe a group of sins that we know they're bad for us. They know they're um, bad for our spiritual health. 
but we do them anyway. Paul says, I do that which I hate. Like, how much are we doing that? Even in the midst of it, it's like, I'm not even enjoying this. I know it's bad for me, but I just can't stop. How often are we getting our heads stuck in those buckets? We need the good shepherd to lead us and protect us away from those things. And so um, we've identified, we've, we've gone through that we definitely need a good shepherd. Hopefully we're all there. So now the question is, what makes Jesus the good shepherd? All right, so John 10 gives us a lot of different reasons. We're going to walk through those now. So the, the first way we know that Jesus is our good shepherd is that um, we can, he's contrasted with the thieves and robbers. So again, this, we're going to come back to this word picture. So who are the thieves and robbers? Who is Jesus talking about here? Well, for context, we need to know that Jesus in the middle of, is in the middle of a conversation in, in chapter 10 that began in verse 9, chapter 9, um, and Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here. They were the spiritual leaders of Jesus' day. And so they're having a dispute over Jesus' healing of a blind man. Pharisees don't want to admit that um, it's, you know, it's the same man who received his sight because that would prove that Jesus is someone who they don't want to admit that he is. And so the Pharisees now, they're the spiritual leaders. They want to lead people away from Jesus. Why? Because they have their own brand of holiness they want to pursue. They want to hold on to power. And so they lead sheep astray. So Jesus is calling them they are the thieves and robbers. Another term we can use for them is false shepherds. These thieves and robbers here are false shepherds. They lead the sheep astray. And so we, we just think about, um, you know, these false shepherds, they're abusive, they're, so, they're self-serving. Why would anyone follow them? There could be a number of reasons for that. Uh, might be confusion, might be lack of information. But I think a lot of times it's because we don't trust the good shepherd, isn't it? Um, we, we see his call for our lives, we think maybe he'll, he'll take away our joy, or maybe we see this false shepherd and they're giving us a message we like better. Maybe it aligns better with our preferences, the way we see our lives going. Why do we follow false shepherds? We shouldn't. We need to follow the good shepherd if we want, to turn, if we want abundant life. So the, the next reason we know Jesus is our good shepherd is because he intimately knows his sheep. He intimately knows his sheep. In verse 3, it says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So name here is significant. Um, Oftentimes, knowing someone by name in scripture, um, it has certain connotations. It means knowing someone's true nature or character. So Jesus isn't just simply on a first name basis with his sheep, you know, saying hi to them in the hallway like we might do out there. No, he truly and completely knows us, which is great because deep down, we all want to be completely known, right? Some of us are more willing to admit that than others, but it's just a feature of our creation. That's, that's how we were created. So just think for a moment about your closest relationship. Um, maybe it's a relationship you have now. Maybe it's one you had in the past. A spouse, parent, child, friend, whatever the case may be. What was that relationship like or what is that relationship like? it's probably defined by someone who knows you best, someone who can speak into your life. Maybe they're um, turning you away from danger, giving you good advice because they know you, they know your tendencies. Um, they're pursuing you. They, they know um, what you like. Maybe they're the one who gives you the best gifts and that matters to you because it means they know you well if that's your love language. If, if that person, how much they know you, if that impresses you, <laughs> Jesus knows you infinitely more. No one could know us more than the one who created us. He fully knows 
everything about us, our, our deepest fears, our joys, our hopes, our needs, our preferences, what makes us tick. He knows everything. And then the other side of this is he also knows our sin, which, which might be a little bit scary when you first think about it. So, you know, think about a sin. Is there something that you haven't confessed to someone else because you fear how they might view you, um, how they might respond. What is, what is that shortcoming that the second it pops into your mind, you push it out because you don't even want to think about it? What is that, that one thing that if it was on a billboard for all to see, you would be most mortified? Think about what that is for a second. Jesus knows that sin. He knows more about it than you do. And the important thing here is how does he respond? He's not surprised. It doesn't shock him. He isn't ashamed. He isn't repulsed. He moves toward us. He knows us completely and he loves us perfectly. So maybe this truth isn't new to you. Maybe I'm not giving you any new information. That's fine. But the question is, what do we do with that reality? How, how is it going to impact your life that Jesus knows you completely and loves you perfectly? I think the first thing that pops into my mind is it should impact our relationship with others, right? If, if we have this intimate relationship with Jesus and he knows our deepest faults better than anyone else, better than even we know them, and he still loves us perfectly, how do we respond to others' faults? How do we respond when they disappoint us, even those who we know and trust the most? How much are we pursuing them? Those are questions we need to be asking ourselves. Those, those relationships are part of what this abundant life looks like on earth because God, Jesus, models it for us. The, the next reason we know Jesus is our good shepherd is because he leads his sheep with purpose. Starting in 10 verse 3, it says, To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So he leads us. How does he lead us? Well, of course, there's, there's the chronological element to this. So Jesus has always existed, um, was the agent of creation. And when he finally interceded in this world, when he was born, fully God, fully man, he led us to our eternal home by defeating death and saving sinners. That's kind of what we summarized over the other sermons in the Advent series. The, the part we don't think about quite as much, maybe, is that he also leads by example. So when we... We look over the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have this picture of Jesus' life. We have a lot of details about what he said, what he did. We have insight into his thought life. That's an example for us to follow. You know, you think about how he handled temptation in the desert. You think about um, what he valued. It's very clear what he valued. You think about his pattern of life. You think about interpersonal relationships, especially with those who disappoint you. You know, Jesus gave an example that we can follow in those respects. So think now, how is he leading you today? How has he led you in the past? Can you think of a time where he's led you to uh, abundant fields, you know, a time of a, a abundant spiritual blessings? Has he led you away from the poisonous plant, something that would be um, spiritually detrimental to you? Just think about that for a second. I, you know, as I was thinking about this, immediately what came to mind is just a series of um, sermons, podcasts, books, where God was working through those items to convict me of something that either I should start doing or stop doing. And there's uh, one podcast in particular, it was probably about a few years ago, maybe more, um, that it was just, it was the turning point God used 
to free me from the sin I'd, I'd been in bondage in for a decade, maybe more, maybe closer to two decades. God leads us. We need to allow him to lead us to have abundant life. The, uh, the last reason we know from this text that Jesus is the good shepherd is that he laid down his life for his sheep. He says that explicitly in verse 11. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So this is the ultimate reason, right? This is the ultimate reason we know Jesus can bring us abundant life. There is no greater way that Jesus could show us that our needs are more important than his to him than laying down his life. This is the ultimate example of self-sacrificial love. So where we're at in John right now, John 10, this is kind of toward the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And so he knows, because he's fully God and he knows the future, he knows at this point that he's about to be betrayed, arrested, mocked, abandoned, crucified. He knows all this is going to happen and he does it anyway. Why? Why would he do that? It's for the sheep. It's for the sheep. He knows that the only way for us to be reconciled for, with God is that Jesus would come down to this earth, intervene in human history, be born, be, live, live a perfect life, be crucified, and die, be buried, be risen from the dead, to defeat sin and death forever. That's the only way we could be right with God. It's the only way. And Jesus here is not only saying that he's the best way to get to God, he's saying that he's the only way to get to God. Um, that's what he says in verse 7 here. He says, I'm the door of the sheep. So Jesus is not only the shepherd, he's the door. He is the only way to God. And so if we want eternal life, if we want abundant life, we need a good shepherd. Our good shepherd, the good shepherd. So what do we do with all of this? We'll, we'll go into some, some points of application here. Um, you might have come with lists empty of New Year's resolutions, but I'm, I'm going to help you out. Don't worry. I'm here for you. So um, we're going to talk through, um, you know, what it looks like, how we can pursue that, that abundant life that, that Jesus has won for us. So um, if you look over all of chapter 10, something we see time and time again, there's this theme of Jesus saying that he is the good shepherd. He calls out to his flock. His flock recognizes his voice and they follow him and they don't follow others. Okay, so I think a good challenge for us in 2024 is that when we hear Jesus' voice, we need to respond rightly. So how do we do that? What does it look like to respond rightly? Well, the first way is to don't follow the wrong voice. Don't follow false shepherds. So we've, we've talked about false shepherds a little bit already. We're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive here just to make sure we're on the same page. But false shepherds, again, are people with self-serving motives. How do we identify them? False shepherds will often bring confusion instead of clarity. They'll prioritize their own welfare, their own popularity, success, power over the welfare of those they serve. And this is a big one. They don't speak God's truth. They don't point to Jesus. Those are some characteristics of some false shepherds. So false shepherds, of course, the Pharisees in Jesus' day, but who are they in our day? I don't have a list. I'm not going to name names, but I'll just give you um, some general uh, ideas on, uh, just to, to start thinking about this. Um, maybe you've heard of the prosperity gospel. 
um, maybe some famous preachers who pushed the, the prosperity gospel. So this is an idea that um, if you have enough faith, God will bless you with health and wealth, really give you the, the worldly idea of abundance, right? And, and a lot of people like this idea because it, it puts a little bit uh, more control back in, in their power. You know, they can do things to get a result they want from God. That's appealing to a lot of people. So they follow these leaders these leaders grow in popularity, they grow in success, they grow in their pocketbooks. But the problem is they're leading these sheep astray. This is a false gospel. This is poison. These are false shepherds. You think about um, certain authors in the Christian section of a secular bookstore, which make you, makes you wonder why it's even called the Christian section at all, depending on who's in there. But um, just more, half-truths. Maybe they get part of the gospel right, but we have to get it all right or it's all wrong. You know, you have to be careful about what you're reading. On social media, who are the spiritual leaders on social media we're following? They might be good shepherds. You know, are they pointing to Jesus? Are they following God's word? Or is there something else in there that poisons the whole thing? We have to be very, very careful about who we're following. So don't follow false shepherds. The other thing we can do here uh, for Abundant Life is to surrender our plans and agendas to his plan for our lives. Surrender our own plans and agendas to the good shepherd's plan for our lives. You might say, that sounds great. How do I do that? <laughs> we'll talk through it. So how do we know his plan for our lives? Well, when you think back to the idea of the good shepherd calling his sheep, Jesus calling us, when he calls your name and you hear him calling your name, what do you do? Do you just stand there and do nothing? Do you turn around and run in the other direction? No. We, we go toward him. We pursue him. So that's, that's what we can do. We can pursue him. Think back to the, the relationship you were thinking of before, that close relationship. How would you characterize that relationship? There was probably quite a bit of communication, both in quantity and quality, um, talking constantly. There's intentional conversation. You're pursuing each other. You're um, learning what, what each other likes, doesn't like, so you can um, relate best to each other. How, how does your relationship with God right now relate to the relationship with that person you're thinking of? Is it anywhere close? How, how often are you talking with them? Prayer is the way we talk to God. Um, can you resolve to pray more in, in 2024? Uh, the Bible tells us to, to pray ceaselessly. What does this look like? Are you sharing those little moments of every day with the good shepherd? When something good happens and your heart is filled with gratitude, are you saying a quick thank you? Are you acknowledging that God is the giver of all good things? When you're in a bad mood, when you're struggling, when you're lashing out at those you love, are you asking him for help in those moments? We can always come back and ask for forgiveness later and repent, and that's good, and we should do that. But in the moment, are we praying ceaselessly? How often are you speaking to God? How often are you listening to him? One of the main ways he speaks to us is through his word, the Bible. That's a great challenge for 2024. Make a, a, find a Bible reading plan and stick to it. And, and the motivation matters here too. We don't want to just read through the Bible in a year to say we did it and we accomplished the goal. It's, the purpose should be we want to pursue him. You want to know what his plan for your life is? He can tell you through his word. You just have to listen. You have to be intentional. So that's something we can all resolve to do in 2024. Being in community, that's another way we can pursue God. Because remember, when the sheep wander from the flock, they get into trouble, right? We don't want to get in trouble. Have brothers and sisters in Christ who are holding you accountable, who are telling you what you need to hear. So if you're not in a community group already, maybe that means this upcoming year you join one. 
If you're in a community group, maybe it means you be more intentional. Whatever the case may be, we need to stick together because as we grow closer to each other, we grow closer to God and we are pursuing him better. Whenever I uh, think about this concept of pursuing God, I always come back to John 15. Um, John 15, 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And the next verse, Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we want to have true biblical abundant life, we need to be connected to the source of abundant life. We need to be pursuing him. So part of this picture is something maybe we don't think about as much, and it might be that we need to give something up. What do we need to give up in 2024? Is there a a barrier, something that's preventing you from following Jesus in the way that you should or as closely as you should and could? I think about the, the calling of the disciples, the, just this picture of um, you know, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. When Jesus called them, what were they doing? They were at their day jobs. They were fishermen. They were with family. And they left all of that. They left comfort. They left the, what they knew in their lives. Do we need to do that? Is, is comfort an idol for you? Is that something you need to evaluate? Is, is there a time when God was calling you to do something and you said no, Because saying yes would have meant it was something unfamiliar, something you you didn't want to find out what life would be like. Or even more than that, did you even fail to ask for God's will because you didn't want to know what the answer was? Is comfort getting in the way? Is that something we need to give up? Addiction. Is there something that's taking up so much brain space or time that there's not enough room for our good shepherd? Netflix. I'm just going to call it out. Netflix. Social media, food, drink, whatever the case may be, what can we give up to allow, uh, allow us to get closer to our good shepherd? So um, as we consider what it means to hear our shepherd's call and respond rightly, we find in Christ the type of abundant life that will actually fulfill us and not fail us. Now, as I was um, putting this sermon together Something that just kept popping into my mind, and it probably was for some of you as well, is a lot of the imagery here, um, the concepts we've been talking about, Psalm 23, right? I mean, Psalm 23, one of the, the most famous psalms, David's most famous psalm, um, it gives us a picture of, of abundant life. I think it summarizes it so well. So we'll put it on the screen. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through it. I'm going to do a little bit of summarizing. I'm going to add a little bit of commentary, but you're, you're welcome to follow along, follow along on the screen. Um, so we'll do that next. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We experience pure contentment with the Lord as our shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This is a picture of Abundant life, full of vitality, Christ leading us to refreshment and provision. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When we follow Jesus, we become more like him, we grow in Christ's likeness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, shadow of death, we, we are going to experience sickness, sorrow, suffering on this earth. Biblical abundance is not physical, those things are not out of play. Despite that, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We can rest 
under the Lord's presence and protection. In our toughest challenges, our deepest fears, we can rest. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Not even our enemies can prevent us from enjoying his presence and generosity. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Following Jesus, our good shepherd, means we can enjoy his goodness and mercy now and in eternity. That is abundant life. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge you and we praise you as our good shepherd. We thank you for your leadership and your protection, that you call our names. We just pray that we would enjoy what you have won for us, this abundant life, God. Help us to pursue you, to communicate with you, to rest in your presence. Help us to focus on that this week and this year, God. In Jesus' name, amen.